Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Modern. Uh, welcome back to Masters of Modern. I am your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Ben Bateman. And What's up? our tri-coast host, I don't know, Michael Grothy. Meet the tri-coast. <laughs> Release the Kraken. Uh... Yeah, what's up, man? How are you? I'm good. Yeah, welcome back to the show. Welcome back to the set. Is the tri coast the go- the Gulf? The I don't Gulf know. Of Mexico. It's but, like the third coast. Is that if you're tri coastal? There's. You guys may have just heard our producer Marshall. What's up, man? How are you? I'm great. His mic is actually sitting in front of Michael right now. Just stole it. Yeah. On last week's episode, you guys got the uh, wonderful experience of him having a mic. He was audible. That was cool. Yeah. We'll so, probably go back to that. Uh, we have a fourth mic that we can pull off if we need to in these environments. I think that's the plan. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, guys, this is the Masters of Modern Podcast. We talk about modern on this show. This is kind of a funky special show, and there's a bunch of di- different cool stuff we're going to talk about. We are going to be talking about modern news coming up shortly, kind of everything that's happened this last weekend. Um, we have a brand new show that's coming up today on this show. We'll get to that in a second that you guys are going to hear all about. Um, and so on and so forth. But uh, what did you guys have for breakfast this morning? I don't eat breakfast. Okay. That's I a good answer. usually do eat breakfast. Didn't have time today. A lot of times when I don't, I'll get it on the company Starbucks run that we didn't go on because Alex was getting a haircut. So yeah. nice. I, had a I, had a ice, I had a Trenta iced coffee with extra ice, half Excellent. and half, and no sweetener huh. every morning. Look at that. I bought a Nespresso machine recently. Nice. After our trip to Hong Kong, they have one in our room. I was so charmed by the free Nespresso every day. I, they got me. I got back to town. I bought one. They're also like terrible for the environment. No, no, they're all recyclable. Uh, uh, the, the, the worst. Uh, let's, let's, let's move on from that. Uh, so, uh, so are we going to throw up uh, this to some modern news to future Ben? Yes, future Ben in just a minute is going to be giving do you, you like, modern Do you news. like future Ben more or less than current Ben? I like him more. Oh. So this is the better Ben. I'm yeah. getting better every day. I'm with, getting better every why day. Why do we have to deal with current Ben? Current Ben's the worst. I'm sorry. I'm jealous of my future self for getting to hang out with future Ben. Talk to me in a week. Okay. I, the, what he's talking about, he's joking right now, but I'm going to be at New York Toy Fair with these lovely gentlemen. And when I'm there, I'm going to be giving you guys some modern news, which you'll be getting as part of this episode. As I mentioned, this is kind of a, a crazy episode. Um, and so all of the modern news is going to be coming to you guys and then it's going to be introducing a sweet new show. But before we get to that, there's a couple things I want to remind everybody of. The first one is that Grand Prix Los Angeles, also known as Magic Fest LA, is going to be happening. Actually known as Magic Fest LA. I know. I just well, had there's a, a Grand Prix there. there. There's a Grand sure. Prix at Magic Fest LA. And what's notable is that the Grand Prix at Magic Fest LA is going to be modern. Yes. Woo. It's exciting because this, this show is the Masters of Modern Podcast. For now. Yeah. We're in LA. <laughs> For the next spooky 10 minutes. So, uh, but yeah, that's that's happening. And, and the same as last time, Alex and I are going to be doing another sweet meetup. Last time, like 50 people showed up. We did a bunch of chaos drafting. So if 60 people don't show up, I'm kicking future Ben yeah. out of the party. It was great. There was, there was pizza. There was whiskey. There was iced tea. There was water. Chaos drafts. I, had a lot of hot, I have tea all the time. <laughs> hot tea. Yeah. Uh, all of Hong Kong, I had three glass, three three pitchers of hot tea. I had at, three at the upstairs I, bar. I had three pitchers of whiskey in every time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I am currently known in the toy industry for having great hair, drinking exclusively tea, and playing Magic: The Gathering in a very swanky bar on the top of the main oh. gathering point of the 
entire toy community. We stayed. This is such a funny story. You guys haven't heard the story on the show, I don't think. Alex and I stayed at this hotel. This like pretty fancy. It's called Hong the Kong. Icon. You it's can, like gorgeous. I like love it. And the it top has the floor, second largest hanging garden in the world, or yeah. uh, vertical garden. It's like gorgeous. And <laughs> the top floor has this incredible bar that overlooks the city and uh, the harbor. Even Alex and I brought our Highlander roulette decks. These like six decks. And I brought mine in a friggin' grimoire. These things that are up on the shelf behind us, made by Wizardry Foundry. <laughs> and I had a uh, Game of Thrones themed lunchbox. With yeah. But there's 600 card decks in there. So this one night we were like, yeah, let's go up to the bar. Let's see if anybody's up there. Hopefully we don't run any we toy guys. We got there early for the event. And so the first four nights, no one was up there. So we would just go up there, play Magic, no problem. And then it's like the first night that Hong Kong Toy Fair starts. And so we go up there and it's like packed with mostly people that, uh, a chunk of people that we work with. And there's like this group of like pretty like cool, well-dressed, like, you know, live fast guy, the Scandinavian and German guys who are like, nice, nice wood of Rollcraft. And it's like made so much fun of us for the whole rest of the trip. For the rest of the trip. It's, and like, did we, not we are going go. to see them in Hong Kong or in New York at New York Toy Fair that happened the weekend after you're yeah. hearing this or before you're hearing this. And they, I guarantee, made fun of it. And Future Bank can let you know, but they made fun of us for oh, it. Oh, they really did. They called us wizards and uh, war and trolls. And who orcs. wouldn't want to be called a wizard, though? That's kind of cool. Yeah. Well, apparently they, okay they, with they being thought that we were people that wouldn't want to be called wizards. All they right, wizard fun of, of the tri-coast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but anyway, uh, we are going to be having another sweet meetup at GPLA. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be super fun. Same kind of deal. It'll Currently, we are planning to have it at the LA Live Marriott downtown. It's a couple blocks from the convention center. If we change locations, it'll be within a few blocks of there. Well, and, and also, it... On the Facebook group and the Facebook page, there will be a bookmarked link to the Facebook event. And you can, through that event, find out all the information, live update on the night of. If you if we change or you don't know where you need to go, just check there. It'll be available up until after the event is happening, or probably forever. Yeah. It just will eventually be a this event happened four days ago type of event, not a it's happening soon. Yeah. So stay tuned, guys. We're going to have some of our basic shout-outs you're going to hear right now. And then we are going to get into this brand new show after you hear Future Me give you the news from the modern event over the weekend and all of the cool modern news. I was going to miss that. I'm not missing it. This yeah. is my thing now. News. News. The system is down. Okay. I wonder if anyone gets that reference. <laughs> Marshall gets it. <laughs> and we're back with Magic the Gathering News. What's up, everybody? Ben Bateman here. I'm talking to you from a hotel room in New York. It's New York Toy Fair. Alex and myself are here as promised on the precursor to the episode you're watching or listening to right now, we're going to give you guys a quick hit of some of the goings-on in Modern. Alex has gone to the event. I'm taking care of the news segment now. And coming up after this, as we mentioned, there's a cool new show for you guys to check out. We really hope you like it. We're really excited about the future of it, and uh, we think you know it should be great. So without further ado, I'll kind of get into what's going on. No big Modern tournament this last weekend. There was no GP. There was no SCG Open featuring Modern, no Classic. There are a few things that happen in the Magic world news-wise. So the first one is there was a banning on Arena, which I know is not modern related, but it is an interesting conversation because of the card that was banned. And the card is Nexus of Fate. So any of you that have played Standard or paid any attention to Standard or have been playing Arena have noticed that there's kind of a, a weird you know, loop, I win the game card called Nexus of Fate, right? It's an extra turn card, uh, and effectively you're just looping and taking infinite turns. Now, this hasn't exactly been a dominant card necessarily, as they said in their explanation of the ban and restricted list. It's been a good card, it's made an impact, but it hasn't defined any formats. They banned it specifically in 
uh, best of one play on arena. And I think the reason for that, and at least this is suggested in their explanation, is that best of one play, they don't want players that are grinding and new to the game and playing for 20 minutes at a time to get caught in these 20, 30 minute turn loops to end games. It's a little different than like, say, best of three, MTGO or tabletop, where you want to print cards and you want to encourage best two out of three play where both players are going to get a chance to be on the play one of the games. Um, best of one play is a little bit specific. And if, again, this is a teaser. If you stay tuned, we're going to talk about best of one play a little bit on the episode coming up. But it's a little different. And I think it's a case of the feel bads for players that are getting into magic and grinding out those points to get caught in those turn loops. So that is the explanation for why Nexus of Fate was banned. I don't think it has any bearing on modern. I don't think there's ever going to be a tier one nexus of fate deck in modern there already is a taking turns deck and it's pretty sweet it's like a tier two maybe like a tier three deck um it's definitely good but that is the big piece of news uh, it will still be legal even in best two out of three play on arena so it's literally just best of one play they have banned nexus of fate that's the big banning news now second is magic fest la grand prix los angeles i know we talked about we have an event that we're hosting it'll be awesome it's on saturday night it's going to be super fun we're going to do chaos drafting all kinds of cool stuff um there should be a ton of people there you know the last time we did this 40 or 50 people showed up i can't wait i have to decide what deck to play this is the this is the crazy thing it's, it's two weeks from this weekend but by the time i get back to los angeles and, and you guys are hearing our next episode of this show it will be that weekend and i'll be working this weekend to try to figure out what deck i'm playing A little while back, I promised you guys, the listeners of the Masters of Modern podcast, that I would play a real deck. Now, what does a real deck mean? A lot of you guys are used to me over the years playing a bunch of jank, coming up with fun stuff, trying out all kinds of crazy cards, mere superiors, what have you. Um, I just agreed to play a deck that had some tried and true cards in it that had shown, you know, some real results. So I've had some of you guys sending in submissions for cards you think I should maybe play or deck lists that you think are cool. I've gotten some really, really cool ideas. Um... I will have to put the deck together over the course of this weekend when I get back to L.A. to make sure that I have everything I need for it. You know, there's definitely some some more kind of tried and true options, right? Some of the tier one stuff. There's a bunch of Phoenix decks I could look at playing. There's, you know, Humans is obviously very good. Bant Spirits is right up my alley. That's totally my kind of deck. So maybe I'll end up playing Bant Spirits. That could be a lot of fun. There's a colorless Eldrazi deck that somebody showed me that I think is really, really sweet. It's playing a lot of good cards. So, you know, there's there's a lot of really cool ideas one thing that I'm seeing pop up, and I just read an article by Jeff Carr written on SCG Premium. Um, this will kind of get into another sort of piece of news. And this is not exactly like something specific happened as much as it's like there's a trend happening. And this is important to pay attention to because, you know, we are a modern podcast so we talk about the trends. So Jeff talked about on the weekend of the 2nd of February playing a mono-red Arclight Phoenix deck. Uh, he played it at SCG Baltimore in a team-constructed event, and he went 16-0 with it. So he talks about the deck, and he's kind of explaining some of the interactions in the deck. And one thing stuck out to me very clearly, and that's that the interaction between Light Up the Stage and Skewer the Critics, which we've talked about at length now, but for those of you that have missed it, they're two brand-new three-mana spells from with Spectacle from Ravnica Allegiance, both of which can be played for one red if your opponent has taken damage from you this turn. They both pair extremely well with Faithless Looting and Gutshot. Um, now, Faithless Looting doesn't do anything for you in terms of casting those cards, but your ability to kind of sort through your deck to set up the sequencing of turns that you need using minimal amounts of mana with, with maximum efficiency is there. And what's interesting about it is just Faithless Looting, Gutshot, and these two cards, if you're playing those 16 cards, four of them each, they work really well in a bunch of different decks. So you're seeing it pop up in Mono Red, just people are adding Skewer the Critics and Light Up the Stage. They're not playing Faithless Looting there. But you're also seeing in the Arclight Phoenix decks, they're playing now copies of both. The Mono Red Phoenix deck plays four of each, the one that he played. It's really good. I started thinking, like, 
Couldn't you just do the same thing in Mardu Pyromancer? Isn't it now possible that any deck that's playing red basically just wants to play these cards with four lightning bolts and then whatever else you're doing? So you can make a two-color deck. Like, there's so, there's a three-color deck. There's so many cool things you can do. Uh, and obviously, you know, the the choice there is, like, what, what do you shave down if you start to need to make room? But it's just so much one-mana interaction, card selection, um, and gut shot is really the – that's the trick. That's the key. You know, your ability to pay two life – set up your one-mana spectacle spell, and then you know have your extra mana to spend during your, your turn, your next turn, to cast your cards off light up the stage. It's just all really powerful stuff, um, and it's, it's going a long way. So it's interesting to think about that, and it kind of applies itself to where I, my, my head is going. I think that's tech we're going to see a lot of over the course of the next couple weeks. I think you're going to run up against a lot of decks that have the ability to deal with X1s really easily. Um, and yeah, it's, it's sort of on my radar. So I'm going to continue thinking about it. Um, I probably will play some sort of creature based deck. I can't imagine I would play any kind of a combo thing. It's not really my style unless it's my own deck. I don't really want to play storm. So probably I'll end up playing something like a Bant spirits, but it's conceivable that like a Maru pyromancer or a deck in that wheelhouse could be my style. I, I wouldn't be opposed to that. That could be pretty fun. In a perfect world, there's some sort of blue tempo deck I'm playing. I mean, that's what this all comes down to. That's what I like playing. And, you know, I think Band Spirits is kind of a blue tempo deck. There's variants of Delver I've seen people put out there, but I haven't actually seen a good one. I definitely think Is It Drakes is a, or, or, or uh, Is It Phoenix, I should say, is a, that's a real deck, and that's kind of tempo-y. Um, they're all kind of sweet. You know, I also could lean towards Grixis Shadow. I've never played Grixis Shadow, and I think it's a pretty difficult deck to just pick up. You have to manage your life total so carefully. But I've watched a lot of stream. I've, I've like watched a lot of people play it. I know the deck pretty well. I've talked to Corey Burkhardt a lot about that deck. Um, as he is a Grixis player who was, you know, in favor of it being a strong deck when it first came out. So I'll kick around some ideas. You know, at the end of the day, if I end up gravitating towards something simple because I don't have as much time to prep for the event as I'd like, maybe I end up just playing Wano Red Phoenix because it's a pretty straightforward deck. It's powerful. It's doing a lot of cool things. But whatever it is, I did promise you guys that I would play a real deck. So I'm planning on doing that. Um, and GPLA looks to be a ton of fun. I, I can't wait to hang out with you guys and, you know, get the chance to meet more people and run this event and, and do some chaos drafting. And, and we've talked about Highlander Roulette on this show a bit. I think I'll have my wheel. There should be six or eight of us that have our wheels there in case anybody who's ever heard us talk about it is curious. You can come to the event, hang out, see how the format works of the six decks. So yeah, on the whole, guys, that's going to be kind of what's going on in my world of modern. Those are the big pieces of news that I've seen. A couple other things to just tease out there that I think Alex and I will probably get to on next week's show I'm seeing some three-color decks pop up in the Masters of Modern group, the Facebook group. People are talking about there's a pretty cool team or control deck. Somebody was talking about he played in IQ, uh, you know, got to the top eight with it. It was pretty interesting. Um, you know, a bunch of sweet cards just in general, like everything from Flame Slashes to obviously all the good Snapcasters and, and things of that nature. But um, pretty cool. And Growth Spiral definitely seems powerful. It seems like a card people are playing with right now. You know, the uh, Instant Speed Explore basically is good. And I'm seeing the same thing. There's a Sultai Mystical Teachings deck people are talking about that I think is playing that card. I think we're going to see more and more of Growth Spiral popping up in Modern. It's kind of tailor-made for Modern, if you think about it. Uh, if you guys don't know what that card is, it's blue-green for an instant that states uh, draw a card. You may play an additional land. From your hand this turn i think it's actually you may put a land card from your hand into play is what it says um so end of your opponent's turn you can cast it draw a card and, and get an extra land into play so it's it's kind of a perfect ramp spell it just changes the nature of ramp decks that want to play both blue and green you know old scapeshift decks that would be kind of teamer from needing to tap out to actually being able to hold up interaction right some of those decks used to play like snapcaster mage lightning bolt 
uh, and like rampant growth and now you know or secure a tribe elder so now you can actually just end of turn rampant growth basically um, it's not quite as good obviously if you don't have a land in hand it doesn't totally work but it changes the way the decks play and the tempo of those decks changes drastically so i think we're probably going to see a bunch more growth spiral in modern it's just it's the right cost it's the right balance it interacts with modern in the way that uh cards need to you know they cost less than three and they affect the board right away that's going to pretty much wrap it up for me. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Um, coming up, we have a cool new show we're going to try out. It's called Best of One. I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, let us know in the comments below, but all the shout-outs and everything are going to be done otherwise. So thanks, guys. Have a good one. Enjoy your weekend. I'll see you soon. And, you know, tweet at me if you have any questions about these particular segments. You can find me at Ben Bateman Media. Bye, guys. And welcome back to Best of One Magic. <laughs> Whoa, what are you what is this best of one business? In a world where Magic Arena exists. Can you do it in like Morgan Freeman voice? No. I, I was working on my Morgan Freeman impression last week, but I'm not gonna do it because now I've teed myself up. Also yeah, also yeah. like Chekhov's gun. You can't yeah. say you've been working on an impression and not give us a taste. I mean it's I, I look watched some YouTube videos about it. It's like the way that you know it's like you know what I'm talking about? He's like he's like and a Dufresne came to Shawshank prison. Like Yeah, so yeah. you just did it. I can't no, I'm not especially like I maybe can pull off the way people talk, but never on purpose. It just happens, and then it's a miracle. And if someone's like, oh, do that again, immediately lose my ability to do it. Once yeah. at a really good Jack Nicholson, didn't yeah. plan on it, and they're like, oh, man, that's the best Jack Nicholson I've ever heard. And they were like, do it again. I was like, ah, and then I've never been able to do it again. Yeah, celebrity impressions are tough. I got like three or four good ones in my pocket. Freeman's not one of them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh... so back to my movie trailer voice. In a world where this podcast is adding a semi-younger brother of a podcast, you are in. Best, best of, of one, one magic. Da, da, da. Um, best of one. It's a show. Michael hasn't talked in a while. How you doing, Michael? I'm doing good. Yeah. I'm I'm just uh, waiting for the the best of one stuff. Can you believe that news? Oh yeah, such wild news that we just <laughs> all heard together. So wild, crazy, crazy news. Um, I couldn't believe it myself. No, but uh, so we're back to do this show. All right, past Ben, we're we're now we're now friends with future Ben, and we like him way better than you. I am future Ben. No, you're past Ben. <laughs> I am. I'm past Ben. Um, so uh, so. Uh, this is a new show. It's called Best of One Arena Magic. You guys are hearing it right now on the Masters of Modern feed because we have decided that while we're in New York doing this thing, this Toy Fair thing, uh, we wanted to try out a new piece of content. Alex and I, I mean, really Alex, but in the first seven weeks, we developed Masters of Modern together and the idea being at the time, there was no modern podcast. Um, we had played Magic for a long time. We decided at that time that we wanted to be able to cover a format that we were passionate about that no one was doing content about. We see the same opportunity with Arena. Um, and today will be kind of an entry point for this show. We'll be developing it from here, but we have some pretty cool ideas. And I think the first thing to get at here is that best of one play in arena is going to be the most popular play, the most popular type of magic player from here on out for the near future. Um, that's just a fact there. It's, it's the way you grind. It's the ladder system in arena. It's new players that are getting into the game. It's what they're doing. It's how you can equate it to something like a hearthstone or a clash Royale. You're just playing one game. And the whole premise there is that you have 10 or 15 minutes and you want to play a game of Magic, and they have given us the way to do that. So um, what we have to offer here is a wealth of experience and knowledge in Magic. And I think before we get into fully the ins and outs of this show, Arena and all the other things, I want to just, in case you're hearing this for the first time, in case we've put this on a new feed, take a minute to let everybody here kind of know who each of us are and why you should be listening to a word we say about Magic. And I'll, I'll jump in myself. 
I've been playing Magic since 1995 on and off. We've done the Masters of Modern podcast, Alex and I, for about four years, four and a half years, 200 shows. Insane. Which is nuts. Um, played in tons of GPs, done okay in some tournaments, day two to a couple events, like nothing huge, but I've probably played 10,000 hours of Magic in my life. I've played Magic every week for most of my life and continue to do it to this day. Modern, Highland Roulette, anything else, I've written articles. It's my greatest passion. It's the only game I've ever really loved like this. And I have legitimately actually 20 years plus of experience playing Magic. That's why I'm here. And I'm not a huge arena guy now. I'm mostly going to be asking questions to these guys because I want to learn more about it. And I'm not going to be a consistent host of the show. I'll be rotating in and out. But for today, I will be kind of helping facilitate this conversation to learn more about it. He, and to correct, he played Magic for 20 years other than the six months where he sold his collection to buy a guitar. Uh, my name is Alex Kessler. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have been playing Magic since Tempest. Um, I grew up in the toy industry and the Wizards of the Coast toy fair booth was down the hall from my dad's toy fair booth because he had a toy company. Uh, and they gave him a bunch of free product and my dad gave it to me and it was like, probably like Weatherlight era when he got the product and gave it to me. I was like, I don't know what this is. I don't want to play it. And then uh, six months later when it was like relevant, I picked it up and there was like some alpha and beta in there too. So it was like dope and I had all the old cards and I started there. And then um, once I graduated college, I got back into Magic and then started making content with originally Top Decking, which is a web series. Then that got curtailed into me actually deciding to do something different. I started my own toy company and that's going really great. And But during that period, I actually actually also started the Masters of Modern podcast. Also had a magic finance show randomly that you can find when I was like 24. It's vaguely embarrassing. It's super sweet. Mad magic is good. <laughs> I miss mad magic. His hair and facial hair were wonderful. Uh, my hair goes... I don't think my hair was that much different than now. It's You've got little, like 54-year-old Tom Cruise hair right now. Well, today. And, and you, had like, you had clear 24-year-old Alex Kessler hair then. So they're distinctly uh, different. I feel things. like at one point I had Tom Cruise Mission Impossible 2 hair. Oh, the long hair. Yeah, yeah. No, nobody There's has, nobody has hair as majestic as the Cruise in, in, in the second Mission Impossible. Played a lot of magic. Care about it. Take it from a from a perspective of, you know, this is a game to have fun and and learning how to play. And it's not always the most competitive, but it's the most creative and and having fun with it. Michael. I'm the new guy. Uh, I have not been doing coverage for four years, but I have been playing Magic since Odyssey. Um, I came from the Pokemon trading card game. I've always been really into games. I played chess when I was really little, and then when Pokemon got big when I was in elementary school, I played that. And I bought my Pokemon cards at the Wizards of the Coast store in my local mall. Uh, they all closed down, but that was, I thought it was the coolest store when I was a kid because I was so into games. And so I played a lot of the early Wizards trading card games, and none of them stuck with me the way Magic did. I mean, Magic is just such an incredible game. And I started playing in elementary school with Odyssey. I love squirrels, built squirrel deck. My big mark on the Magic community was that I managed all of the gaming at a store for about six years, uh, Heidi Ho Comics in Santa Monica. I managed all the gaming, mostly Magic, and I recently have been hired by Alex at his toy company, Kess, to design board games. So Battle Bosses, uh, that's a game that Alex and I designed together. Um, and the Kickstarter happened and was successful, and we're now working on, you know, shipping it out and turning it into like a real game that you can buy in a store rather than just something on Kickstarter. So you guys are gonna, have, yeah, the game is gonna have distribution. It'll be out there. You'll be able to buy a game these guys designed together, which is really exciting. And then you qualified and participated in one of the three beta drafts this last summer. 
I did also participate in a beta draft uh, that I guess is another claim to fame, magic claim to fame. I played in the beta draft at Gen Con. Which was the 25th Um, anniversary one. I qualified playing Dominaria Sealed with a cut to top eight Dominaria draft uh, because I think Dominaria is a super fun limited format and I played a lot of it. Uh, And when we were at Gen Con as Kess promoting battle bosses, I spent, after uh, we got done working at 7 p.m., I jumped into a qualifier and played until 7 a.m. And then uh, stopped working. And then <laughs> took a nap for about five hours and went back to the booth basically as a zombie. I wasn't very effective, uh, but it was fine. Alex endorsed my beta draft qualification. If I hadn't qualified, if I like got second place, he probably would have been mad. But. Our uh, producer over here has a look of uh, total, he's, he's like stunned because he did, clearly didn't know this. Um, for your information and the listeners' information, by the way, I played in five beta drafts at that same event. Also qualifiers, stayed up qualifiers, yeah, right? Yeah, you didn't play in five drafts. Stayed up all night, top aided one of them, lost in the top four after playing against two hundred and fifty six people. Um, brutal, absolutely brutal. You single handedly played two hundred and fifty six people each once. Yes, I did. <laughs> when I came to the booth the next day and found out that Michael wasn't there because he had actually qualified, I just for a solid twenty minutes thought they were all messing with me. I wouldn't believe anyone. I thought they were all lying. Well, I was the night so before, like, he, he had played in the one before mine, so he was like done when I was like three rounds into mine, and he was like, "This was a miserable experience. It took way too long. You know, it was." Not very well organized. <laughs> I'm going to bed. I'm not going to play any more of these. And then I won, and that gave him hope. So he played in all the other ones. And I got so, so close. So didn't do any work that entire weekend. <laughs> <laughs> it's debatable. It's debatable. Anyway, that's who we are, guys. Uh, so if you have stuck with us this long, we have some pretty fun stuff coming up on the show. This is going to be a little bit of an intro into Best of One Play, the economy of Arena, a little bit how it relates to the type of magic the best of three play that you've known in modern that I've mostly known um, and then how to look at best of one play going forward what this podcast going to include so I'm going to jump in first just starting with arena um, I, I have it on my computer I've drafted like a couple times I have looked over Alex's shoulder a bunch and I've definitely paid attention to some streams and content but the first thing I want to know is when you get started explain to me the economy of arena a little bit like your wild cards how you actually accumulate cards if you want to play at a high level what's that look like the way card acquisition works is that basically, obviously, they have packs, and the packs aren't the same size. It's not like 15 per pack with one rare. It's five per pack. I want to say... It's like uh, seven commons, two uncommons, and a rare, or something like that. Yeah, so it's, it's less than you normally get, but um, every pack you open has a, a chance to get anywhere in the, in, in the set you're opening, or have a wild card. And wild cards are cards that can be used at that rarity to be able to buy, buy cards of that of the, any card in that rarity. So if you get a rare wild card, you can get any rare in that set, in Magic. What would you equate the rarity of a wild card to uh, as it relates to Paper Magic? Like, if I get a, let's say I get a rare wild card, like, what does that feel like opening? Does that feel like opening a good rare or a great rare? It feels like opening the best rare. It feels like opening exactly the rare that you need because it can be opened, anything. Yeah, any wild card I've opened has felt like opening a mythic rare. Even though I'm not saying it's that rarity, but it feels like that because they're so much more important to me playing the decks I want to play than a random rare. Like, what's cool about it is that when you open a pack of Ravnica Allegiance because you, you know, got your daily, you know, play five games, but win five games bonus and you they give you a pack, you're opening a Ravnica Allegiance pack, so there's only so many rares you can get. But if I open a Mythic, that can be a Teferi. It can be a Nexus of Fate. It can be a Hydroid Crisis. It can be any Mythic in Standard, which is amazing. I mean, it lets you kind of 
get fill in your collection of packs that the it doesn't really give out you can get a rekindling phoenix from rivals of ixalan where like where are you really going to be buying rivals of ixalan packs probably not but if you get a mythic wild card you can get a rekindling phoenix which might be exactly what you need for your deck so they're not particularly common um, well, ish, because the other thing is every single pack you open goes towards a counter. And once you open X amount of packs, you get a rare wild card no matter what. And then every few of those, it's a mythic rare instead of a rare. So so there's a – you can directly track how many you're going to be open, how many packs you need to open to be able to get to your next rare card or wild rare or mythic wild card. So a couple things to focus on here. The first one, guys, is some of the questions I'm asking here, I'm going to know the answer to. Some of them I want to kind of lead these guys to make sure that we're all on the same page. And if you're checking this out for the first time, you're getting information that maybe you were curious about. He's just telling you that because he doesn't want to look like he doesn't know anything. He knows none of these questions and he actually knows nothing. <laughs> I'm not going to uh, disagree with that statement necessarily. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. I know, I know some about Arena. So my next question to you guys is uh, free-to-play player versus somebody who's willing to invest a lot of money. Explain to me kind of the differences, how you go about it. Can you be, be successful as a free-to-play play, free player? Yeah, I mean, I'm actually relatively free-to-play. I bought the Welcome Bundle, which is like $5 for a bunch of golden packs. Um, and it's it's like a really good way to get started because you can use the gold to jump into some drafts and turn those into packs. And then once you like are kind of out of money... Uh, you end up with like a good enough card pool to kind of build some basic standard decks. Maybe not like, you know, the Sultai decks that are playing tons of Mythic Planeswalkers and Hydrid Crises and tons of lands. But I built uh, Drakes with all the lands and stuff using just that welcome bundle gold I had earned through that after the account wipe. So using the welcome bundle and prizes that I had won, I built the Drakes deck, which just uses four Mythics. It was four Arclight Phoenix, although a lot now people are cutting them, but... It was just four Arclight Phoenix and then the eight rares for the lands. And then the rest of the cards are commons and uncommons. You got Charter Courses and, you know, Crackling Drakes and Goblin Electromancers and whatever. It's all commons and uncommons. So that was the deck I chose to build. But even as a free-to-play player, there's a lot of options that you have. You can build, like, the Gates deck pretty cheaply. Uh, the Gates deck, you don't need the lands, so you don't actually really need many rares at all. I don't think that it generally plays a lot of rares. It plays a lot of uncommons, which might take time to get but it's easier than rares yeah say when i first started arena the unlocking uncommons there was like a quick moment where they were a little bit more rationed than i would have wanted them to be but then i was able to build like pretty quickly you're able to build into having uncommons and comments as much as you like could ever want yeah and the other thing that's nice about the gates deck is that you can always jump into a ravnica allegiance draft because it's the newest set and it contains pretty much all of the cards that are in the deck because you have like all these gate synergy cards like gates ablaze and gate colossus and gate breaker ram um and they are all in the set so you're getting prizes in the set you're drafting cards from the set and it's like you'll accumulate two three of a lot of these just from playing the game and then you just wild card out the rest and you're good to go and and you know there's there's a there's a lot of good budget decks for free-to-play players um and i that's the way that i have been enjoying the game so far and it's been fun now in paper magic if i want to buy let's just say tomorrow I want to go into modern. I want to buy Jund. I'm going to go spend $1,900. I'm going to go drop all the cash. TCG player. I'm going to order the additions that I want. They're going to show up to my house nicely packed. I'm going to sleeve them up. I'm going to take them to a tournament. Can I do that with the most expensive deck in standard tonight, right now, if I want to go play it? Does that exist in arena right now? I believe that what you can do is spend a chunk of money to eventually get to a point where you have opened enough packs that you will either have those cards and or unlock enough wild cards through their things that you'll get that Cheaper than the $1,800 you would need for Jund. But the math is definitely out there. I haven't done it, 
and I would have looked it up if I was prepared for this question. Uh, <laughs> but some some of some magic math wizard, Saffron Oliver, Frank Karsten, or maybe somebody else has, I'm sure, has done the math on like, you know, how many packs you would need to open to get, you know, X mythic wild cards. But give, yeah. me, give me a ceiling that's higher than what we're talking about, just so people get a sense of it. Like, is it, uh, is it less than $3,000? Is it less than $5,000? Jund is a bad example, because Jund is the classically most expensive but, deck but in modern. Me, before you answer the question, let me pose to you, because the question people have always asked all three of us when you tell them you play this game Magic, they look at you in the face and they go, but do you just win if you have all the best cards and you spend the most money? That's the old question. Well, so two things. One is, the answer to that always is draft exists, so no. Uh, two... <laughs> Uh, when it comes to standard in general, the most expensive deck is not always the best deck. For instance, Jund has been bad for six months uh, in modern. Now, the reason I'm saying Jund is a bad example is because it is the most expensive. If you want to get the Saltai deck that has all Mythic, it's going to be a lot more expensive to get that many Mythic wild cards than getting a Tier 1 deck. Because, for instance, the Is It Phoenix deck, Tier 1 deck. And that deck is mostly on commons and commons. Well, I think, I mean, to answer your question, I would guess that it's probably something like 100, 200 bucks maybe to get everything you would need to have enough wild cards to craft the best standard deck. Oh. And, and the math is out there. We can, you know, find it and, and link it. But so I, you're talking, I don't know it off the top of my head. So you're talking it's pretty affordable. Like $500 you would almost yeah, guarantee. Yeah, somewhat. And that's that's one deck, right? Like you're, you're going to have the best deck if you want to build... The, or the most expensive deck if you're going to build the second most expensive deck it's probably not going to be you're sure. probably not going to have enough for that as would, well but i would say you can get really far with 150 bucks in fact all i spent on arena up to this point in being a non-free-to-play player being like i just want to have things i want was i spent about 120 bucks when i first got it buying a bunch of packs partly because i didn't know and this is something that i think is a, a common uh, misconception you do not need to already have one copy of a card to be able to use your wild cards to buy additional copies so i thought for a month that you could not get a card you didn't already have a copy of by without buying without having it already so i opened a bunch of rivals of Ixalan packs for no reason so they announced uh today a ui update for the deck builder that i think is going to solve this problem for a lot of people um one of the things that's in it is a crafting mode that only shows cards you don't own and you can actually now build decks using cards you don't own so you can build the entire Sultai deck and see exactly what you're missing and exactly how many wild cards you need to complete it uh which was functionality that didn't previously exist so great that's cool should help yeah <laughs> And yeah, and this is this is like week one where they are middle of the beta still, and I like no one. There are a bunch of things that like you couldn't see how many cards were in your deck if you were looking at the wrong viewer during a sealed build. <laughs> now, before we jump into the next question, the next part of the show that I want to talk about is grinding towards high level play in in this in this in this in arena. Um, and what I want to preface this with is that best of one is not a form of magic that it high level sanctioned play has been supported really to this point. Um, now, all three of us, probably when we played Magic the first time, I'm guessing, probably played with a casual deck at home with your friend, and it was one game, and you'd play another if you wanted, and another after that, and there was no sideboarding. That's how I played in high school, going to Denny's with my buddies, building stupid decks that were pondifying ornithopters. Sounds like right. modern My decks. friend had a Jareth Leonin Titan in his deck, and I was like, how the heck are you supposed to beat that card? Yeah. And so I like looked through my cards and made sure that I had an answer to it because I lost to it the last game. And then this game, he ended up beating me with, you know, a rocks because I couldn't get around the regeneration. And so then I played it, put a Terminate in my deck exactly. or whatever, you know? So what's exciting about this is this starts to represent 
if the new player today is getting into Arena, and Arena is a best-of-one format at its core, this is a reflective experience of the same way that we all get into Magic, which is the best-of-one is the first games of Magic we all play. Uh, and even to this point, uh, we've talked about on our other show, or on this show, I guess, Highlander Roulette a lot is a format we play, which is a format where it's very high power level. It's somewhere probably between Legacy and Modern and its power level. Um, even Vintage, vintage sometimes. Mo- legacy. <laughs> I construct my decks the same way that a lot of people do, which is that you need to be able to answer kind of everything, and you need to have a really streamlined ABC strategy to win which is a little bit of what best of one play is. So a little bit of our opinions on this topic come from the fact that Magic started this way and the players that are getting into Magic today are having the same experience that we did when we started, even though they're playing on a computer. Well, I mean, that's one of the reasons that I thought this podcast was an interesting idea to begin with was that we... Best of one magic from the, you know, if you've played a lot of Commander, if you've played a lot of Highlander Roulette, if you've played a Highlander in general, or just games where a sideboard is not a valuable resource or a resource that's available to you, you build decks differently. It's a different form of attacking the format. 100%. And, you know, and A, it definitely benefits some strategies. For instance, control is a much harder thing to play in this format because... Um, you don't get to side into powerful things when you're playing. So in modern, for instance, if I'm playing against a deck like Affinity, which is very aggressive but uses artifacts, there's very powerful anti-artifact cards. And now I don't get to play with that to be able... I have to have it in my main deck. And what is that? how does that change gameplay? And it's a bit more reflective of what our modern experience has been anyway, which is that modern is such a linear format with such powerful strategies. You can't have a main deck that's good against everything. Your sideboard helps, but even your sideboard is usually not enough to be good against everything. You have to just build your deck to be as good as it possibly can against the field, period. That's that's all you get. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. There's like a metagame in, in Best of One in particular because Arena is digital and it's free to play. There's a ton of games getting played. And so the metagame evolves really fast, much faster than Modern that is like primarily played in like Magic Online leagues where you only see some of the deck lists kind of and you don't play as many games because it's not as quick. Um, and then GPs or SCGs, which are like, you know, every other week maybe so the metagame doesn't evolve very quickly but the best of one metagame on arena has evolved really quickly i mean you see a ton of mono red because it's cheap it's it's a very budget deck and you can play a lot of games in a short period of time which allows you to rank up quickly you know if you play five games as mono red and win three of them that's better your your rank is going to increase more than if you play a control deck and win your one game you know yeah so you have you have mono red and then you have like decks that beat mono red like nexus or like you know control decks that are tech specifically to beat mono red but then the sultai deck comes in and preys on those decks because they're playing negate in their main deck or whatever and then you know we've seen this like evolving metagame and it's really interesting so yeah i mean the balance of any metagame will change and it's cool to see that this one because it's free to play and it is digital it does evolve faster my question to the two of you guys and i think this is where the players that have stuck with us to this point in the podcast that are already interested in arena will probably find it interesting because i find this interesting grinding towards mythic in arena let's say you are going to get the cards you need you're really your plan is to get up there you want to be a mythic player you wanted a shot at the, the top eight slot for the first mythic championship what are you doing with burton um well deck construction differences in this in this game playing best of one trying to grind your way to the top versus just grinding ptqs and things like that in a format like modern where you're playing best two out of three how do you view your deck construction i mean what is the difference in this in this format versus another. I think Michael hit on it. And if your purpose is I want to grind, 
I am trying to get to the top level of status as quickly as possible, then you want to play a quick, aggressive deck. And Burn right now is that deck or the best version of that deck because, not just because it's the best against the field, but because you can turn games quicker. And that's kind of what, in grinding, the quicker you can accomplish your goal, the better. Versus, say, what I think most of best of one matches are played aren't necessarily I'm grinding for the top. It's, oh, I have 25 minutes to play a game. I'm waiting for a meeting to happen or I'm on the subway or the bus and I just want to knock something. I mean, right now they're not playing on mobile, so that's not necessarily true. But yeah, on a laptop, on the bus or whatever. Um, You just want to knock a game out. You're waiting at the airport for your flight and I just want to knock a game out. That's more common in there. Then I think deck choice is more on playstyle. I think there is the larger library of different deck choices you have. But if you're trying to grind, obviously quicker, better, because then you can get six games in the time of one. Yeah, I mean, that's true. Uh, But I feel like that is a good way to get to Diamond or Mythic. I mean, I see a lot of stories about people who are like, yeah, I played Mono Red up to Diamond. And then at that point, everybody had played against it so much, they knew exactly what to do. They were playing, you know, I was running into tons of Wild Growth Walkers and tons of... Um, you know, revitalizes coming from Nexus decks or control decks and just like ways to blank my cards specifically because everybody who's in Diamond or Mythic has played against so much mono red and it becomes a much harder road and you have to you have to adjust your strategy a little bit. Which makes, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. If you look at another game that all of us play uh, that's not Magic, Clash Royale, that is another game that is very focused on single game ladders. And in that, every ladder you rank up on, the metagame changes partially just because people are prepared for this card being good at that level. Yeah, and Hearthstone is the same way. I mean, like, uh, a lot of times you see people just playing, like, aggro hunter decks where they're getting to, you know, rank 5 or whatever, and they can't break through from rank 5 to legend because everybody at that point knows how to play against a hunter deck and has beaten a bajillion of them in order to get there. And so, you know... Now, okay, so coming at you guys with a format that, again, you know, I've played a lot of, which is Highlander Roulette. And when I build these decks, I think about two things. The first one is I want my opening hand to be as potent as possible. I want to make sure that when I draw my opening hand, it's as explosive and as streamlined to what I'm trying to do as it possibly can be, right? So that's going to be in the aggressive decks or the tempo decks, early threats, lots of interaction. In the combo decks, all the tutors, right? Everything I can possibly do. On top of that... Every single deck I play in Highlander, because it's best of one, has to have answers to a certain number of things. Now, if this is vintage power level, I'm dealing with almost every card in Magic, but it's still the same principle, which is that if I don't have a certain amount of graveyard hate in every single deck I play, I can't beat a deck that runs out of the graveyard and locks me out. If I don't have a certain number of naturalized effects in every deck I play, there's no way I'm ever going to beat something like a warship. I mean, granted, we're going deep with this, but... When I construct a deck there, I have to have an A plan and I have to have answers. Would you say that with Arena, when you're constructing a deck, it's the same idea? Like, you know that if you don't have answers to the things people are doing, you're going to lose. You have to pay attention to that because you only get one game? Somewhat. In like, uh, you know, more mid-rangey decks or controlling decks, yeah, you you need to just be have Negate or some way to destroy a Wilderness Reclamation or you will lose to Nexus because their clock is much faster than yours. And if you can't get rid of their Wilderness Reclamation, they're going to be able to leverage that mana advantage and crush you. But if you're playing something like Mono Red, a lot of times you can just like you know, be proactive enough and make them have all the answers and you don't necessarily need to do that. So it really depends on your deck. One thing that's nice for mid-range decks and control decks in particular is that they're printing, you know, they're designing with Arena in mind somewhat now. And so 
Ravnica would always have stuff like split cards and charms and yeah, stuff like that because it's like in Ravnica's DNA, which worked out well for Arena. But going forward, we're going to have cards like that where you have, you know, uh, Carnival Carnage, for example, is a card that's getting a lot of play. It's a split card that on one half does one damage to a creature and one damage to its controller for one, which is great against fast decks like Mono Red or Mono Blue Aggro. Um, and then on the other side, it's a four mana deal three damage target player. They discard two cards, which is going to be better against, you know, the Nexus of Fate decks, the control decks, the mid range decks where they're trying to leverage card advantage to beat you. We're seeing a lot more of these effects and stuff like Bedevil, where like you might not be playing main deck artifact destruction. But if your opponent has a primal amulet in play and you draw your Bedevil, you're like, hey, sure. <laughs> well, I mean, and there you go. Like you're, you're getting to something here, which is like a lot of my favorite cards, a lot of the best cards we've seen printed over the last few years cards that are mainstays in many formats take a card like Kologon's command for instance that's a card that's great because the rate is solid it has a lot of variety it interacts with a lot of different parts of the game people love cards like that and as a player in any format i've ever played but again getting back to highlander i love playing cards that are good early and are good late that's my favorite type of card in magic it's it's the thing that i always love doing is something that if i draw out of this in the back half of the game i'm still going to get some value out of it and i think that pertains really, really specifically to Arena. Because if you are only going to get one game, you want to feel confident when you draw one of those cards in your opener, but you also don't want to feel totally busted when you draw it at the end of the game. It doesn't. You don't want to be bummed out by it. I think a card right now that's in Allegiance that I really like is um, the Incubation Incongruity. Is that what it's called? The, the, it's mm-hmm. the Simic card. I love that card because now you've given, now you've given a mono blue deck access to commune with nature. You can get a creature on turn one, but late in the game, it's still a somewhat conditional removal spell that's an instant speed spell. It's still a pretty good draw late. You're not going to be that bummed about it. That's brilliant to me. It, it works both halves. It's exactly the kind of magic card that I want to see printed, and I think that works really well in a format like Best of One. No, yeah, and, and you, you, Michael, you mentioned kind of mid-range decks and, and, and the value here, and I think that looking at modern and looking how well historically Jund has done in the format yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. versus how, you know, only until recently Blue-White has been able to do well, and part of the reason I think is that, you know, Jund is a, a uh, an active control deck. It's stopping your opponent from doing stuff with versatile cards, but then also being progressive and, and putting threats on the board and, and getting in there with damage. So you by putting pressure on your opponent while also having answers to stuff in a versatile way, you're in a better position in a versatile field like modern, where you mentioned earlier, you're stuck in a situation where there's so many varieties of accesses that you get attacked in modern that it's impossible to prepare for all of them. So the being proactive and reactive is better than necessarily trying to just be purely reactive. Well, I mean, yeah, in mod- I think t- traditionally, if you were to explain a control deck to someone, most control decks don't tap out on turn one, two, and three in their ideal hand. That's pretty rare for a control deck. Oh, turn deck. one normally because you're maybe a tap land a or something like that. Or something. But I mean, like most control decks aren't, try- aren't trying to use all their mana on turn one, turn two, and turn three in their main phase. That's a little bit uncommon for control. Um, and I would agree that Jund is, for a long time, was as close to control as modern had. It was... Before you play Thoughtseize into a card draw spell called Dark Confidant into Liliana the Veil, which is a removal spell and discard outlet that prevents your opponent from playing anything into another Thoughtseize, and then you eventually win the game. Yeah. Like, that's control. (laughs) It used to be Bloodbright on turn four, but... um, Still, still, it is Bloodbright. I mean, in the the early days when it was dominant, that's that's what it was. So, but yeah, so that's, I think, sort of a lot of the points that we wanted to cover in this first episode. I think coming up on this show, there's... We want to really know what you guys think about this concept. You know, going forward, it's going to be less of a an intro to, to Arena. It's going to be a little bit more of an actual meta discussion of Arena. 
focusing on best of one play. Um, Alex and myself will be rotating in as guests and semi-hosts. Yeah, don't worry. There will still be plenty of great janky Ben brews for standard. Yeah, I'll come up with some fun stuff, and then maybe those are the episodes I come on more often. But we have some pretty awesome guests in mind that we, we're going to rotate into the show. We really would like to know from you guys, is this a show you're interested in? in and, and like, do you think this is something that you would find interesting to listen to on a week-to-week basis? Um, because we're probably launching this in March. This is probably something you're going to start listen to see to, weekly in March. Listen to or watch, right? Because we're going to be on YouTube with this as well. Yeah, Michael will be a consistent part of it. And I, you know, Ruben Bressler has talked to us about wanting to do some comment with, content with us for a while. So we'd love to bring him in a little bit more often. And as you guys heard at the top of the episode, be sure to like, subscribe, comment. You know, Specifically on this one, let us know what you think in the comments about this episode, the, the idea of this show. Um, feel free to send us a message on the Facebook group or anything like that. Uh, and one last time, where can the folks find you guys if they want to follow along with your exploits? Uh, I am on the Masters of Modern podcast. Uh, I am at Cass Wiley. I'm at Ben Bateman Media. I'm at uh, Dudard on Twitter, D-U-D-A-R-D-D. Uh, but you can also find me on um, the Masters of Modern Facebook group is probably the most consistent way to reach me. Yeah, because moderator, <laughs> overlord, oh consistent contributor (laughs) i'm a a moderator (laughs) i've moderated before um all right that's gonna wrap us up thanks for listening guys and we'll see you back next week with a regular episode of masters of modern absolutely bye guys and suck it future ben (laughs) i like past ben better yeah i said it thank you for your attention see you later alligator